All right, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up to Exodus chapter number 2. Exodus chapter number 2. And before Christmas, we had started a series of um, streams in the desert, and we're still working uh, on those, those uh, series of lessons and hoping and praying that this will be a blessing to you. Exodus chapter number 2, we're going to look at a vessel, fit, a vessel fit for use, a vessel that's fit for use. And uh, as you're turning to Exodus chapter number 2, the Bible says uh, over in Second Timothy says this, But in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and of silver, but also of wood and of earth, and some to honor and some to dishonor. If a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified and meet for the master's use, and prepared unto every good work. And, uh, and so certainly we want to be vessels uh, that are fit for use. We're going to look at a man's life uh, that, that is very well known to us. We know, uh, of course, could mention Moses, and we all know who Moses is. We know uh, what he has done, but many times we overlook his very humble beginnings and, uh, and where he started out and, and what his life was. So Exodus chapter number 2 and verse number 11, the Bible says this, Exodus 2.11, And it came to pass in those days when Moses was grown that he went out unto his brethren and looked on their burdens, and he spied an Egyptian smiting an Hebrew, one of his brethren. And he looked this way and that way. I love that portion of Scripture. I, I, God has a sense of humor. Uh, he just including that in Scripture. You see him looking that way, and you see him looking that way, and he doesn't see anyone around. So verse number 12. And he looked this way and that way, and when he saw that there was no man, he slew the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. And when he went out the second day, behold, two men of the Hebrews strove together. And he said to him that did the wrong, Wherefore smitest thou thy fellow? And he said, Who made thee a prince and a judge over us? Intendest thou to kill me as thou killedest the Egyptian? And Moses feared and said, Surely this thing is known. Now when Pharaoh heard this thing, he sought to slay Moses. But Moses fled from the face of Pharaoh and dwelt in the land of Midian. And he sat down by a well. And we'll stop right there as we'll look at the life of Moses. Let's pray this morning. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you just for your goodness to us. Thank you, Father, for the opportunity that we have to gather in your house and God around your word. God, I pray that you would use me. I pray, Father, that you'd speak through me. I pray that you would just touch each and every heart uh, as only you can and help us, Father, to be vessels that are fit and prepared for the master's use. Father, that we could be useful to you. And God will thank you for that. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. As we look at this passage, uh, by, just by way of introduction, we're going to look at Moses' life. And of course, we know Moses as the leader of Israel. We know him as the one uh, who, who went into Egypt. And of course, there were the 12 plagues and, and all of that, and him leading the nation of Israel out and into the wilderness. Uh, but, but I want to focus here on these few chapters before all of that takes place. And I want us to think about how it applies to us and how we can be fit for the master's use. Uh, if you've been saved any, any amount of time, uh, there should be a desire to follow God and to serve God with your life. It's only natural that a person who has been saved would feel a natural, natural debt of gratitude and a desire to repay uh, the great act of salvation, or the great gift maybe would be better worded, of salvation that God has given us. If, for example, uh, let's put this into terms that we, we can more readily picture and, and, and understand. If you're walking across a street and... and Perchance you do not see a bus that is coming your way. And, uh, and this bus is just barreling down the road out of control perhaps. And somebody comes and pushes you out of the way. And that bus runs that other person over. You would feel, one, grateful to be alive. 
but two, some form of debt of gratitude that ought to be repaid, whether to that person or to their family, you'd feel like, man, I, I should be gone. So I need to do something uh, for this person who has just physically saved my life. And you'd feel some form of, of desire or need to repay that person. And listen, that is our salvation. It's not a physical per se. It's not something that, uh, that is, is right now. It is physical because it's future. Uh, but listen, we have been saved and rescued from hellfire. That's a real salvation. That is a, a physical uh, suffering that we would have gone to. But because it's not something visible that we see right here and now, sometimes we don't always grasp the reality of that. And because we've been rescued uh, from the punishment of hell, uh, and, and also from a life that could be ruined by sin and destruction even here in this life, we ought to have a debt of gratitude that we could pay, though we could never repay for our salvation. We ought to have a, a sense of service out of gratitude to the Lord for saving us. And that's what I want us to look at this morning, is, is how can we serve the Lord? And how can we be a vessel that is fit? As we're thinking about streams in the desert, I want us to think about the life of Moses and how he really uh, was coming from a, a desert experience in his life. Look with me, as we read this passage, he had, he had of course, uh, he was born to Israelite parents. And you know the story, how they were, uh, they were told to kill all the males children, and they, of course, did not do that. And so uh, Moses was then hidden uh, in the, uh, the little bulrushes and, and in that little boat that they made out of the reeds, and, and, and he was hidden there. And of course, Pharaoh's daughter had found him and, and ra- taken him to himself, herself and raised him. And now Moses, as we come into the story in verse number 11, is now all raised up. He's all grown up. We don't know how old he is. At least it doesn't tell us in our text right here immediately. And, uh, but we know this, uh, that it says that Moses was grown and that he, he went out to see the Hebrew children. Now, I want you to notice this about Moses. There's a sense of self-sufficiency in the life of Moses. You look at what, it ha- what takes place in this story uh, and how- what takes place here and, and as we read this. It says in verse number 11, And it came to pass in those days when Moses was grown, that he went out unto his brethren and looked on their burdens, and he spied an Egyptian, smiting an Hebrew, one of his brethren. He knew, though he had been raised in Egypt, he knew, I'm a Hebrew, I'm an Israelite. Uh, I, I, you can, you, he probably looked like an Egyptian. He probably talked like an Egyptian. But down inside, he knew, hey, I'm not Egyptian. They dressed me up this way and they raised me this way, but that's not really who I am. I belong to the Hebrew people. And he, set, he felt a sense of, of belonging and, and a brotherhood with the Hebrew people. And then verse number 12, and he looked this way and that way, and when he saw that there was no man, he slew the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. That's the sense of self-sufficiency. Here we have Moses, and, and he's, he's grown, and he's fully grown, and he has a compassion and a love for the Hebrew children, and, and so he goes out and he sees this injustice taking place with the Israelites. And he says, and I'll grant him this, He has good motives and good intentions. He's trying to look out for his brethren, the Egyptian people. I don't think, uh, obviously what he did was wrong. But I think he did it out of good intentions. I think he was trying to save his his, uh, Hebrew brethren from the injustice that was taking place. But it's the idea of a mindset and taking matters into your own hands. And we need to be careful when we take matters into our own hands. We need to allow God to work. Isn't it interesting? Moses saw the injustice. Turn with me to Exodus chapter 3, just, a, 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 just one page ahead probably. Look with me at verse number 7. This is interesting. As I was reading through this, I, thought, I saw this. And the Bible says in Exodus 3, 7, And the Lord said, 
I have surely seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt and have heard their cry. Jump on down to verse number 9. And again, God is talking and he says, Now therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel is come unto me, and I have also seen the oppression wherewith the Egyptians oppressed them. When Moses saw what was taking place and he took matters into his own hands, it was almost as if he was saying, God, you're not in control. You're not doing anything about this situation. I'm going to do something about it. And he was, he was self-sufficient in that he said, hey, I'm going to jump in and I'm not going to allow this to take place and I'm going to stand up and I'm going to do something. And while I applaud the, the motive of Moses, his works that he did were not right. Matter of fact, we find uh, that he was condemned in Egypt for that work. Not only was he condemned in Egypt, but look there in verse number uh, 13, as we read down through there, uh, we don't have to reread it, but 13 and 14, actually 14, it says, uh, And he said, Who made thee a prince over us and a judge over us? Intendest thou to kill me as thou killedest the Egyptian? In other words, his, his Hebrew brethren had rejected him and said, Wait a minute. What you, who, who made you the boss over us? I mean, who put you in charge? And, and so when we tend to jump in and do our own thing uh, and think that, hey, we're self-sufficient and man, we're going we're gonna to do the work of God, well, you better be careful. And I think that's what, where Moses was at. He was looking at injustice, and it was injustice. And he was trying to solve problems. He was, I believe, his, again, his motive was certainly pure, and it was something that he was, he didn't like to see the oppression. He didn't like to see the, the nation of Israel uh, being oppressed by the Egyptians. It bothered him to his core so much that he said, man, I'm going to do something about this. And while self-sufficiency is certainly a, a, it can be a good attribute in a, in a godly work. We need to be very careful about self-sufficiency. We find that in, in Moses, as we look at his, uh, him being a broken vessel, God, of course, had to break him. You cannot do the work of God in the power of the flesh. It's not possible. That's a lesson that we learned here in Moses. The Bible says, um, and we see that as he took matters into his own hands, and we need to be careful of, of self-sufficiency. The Bible says in Psalm 20 and verse number 7, it says, Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. And listen, as Christians, our faith is not to be placed in our own intelligence, in our own abilities, in our own strengths, but rather it is to be placed in God Almighty. And listen, that's, a, that's, a, uh, uh, that's easier said than done. Because oftentimes we want to trust in ourselves. I like to be able to trust in myself. Uh, when I go on a trip and whenever I used to travel, uh, I, I always, you know what I do? I grab a tool bag and I put it in my car. And I have this tool and I've got that and I've got this so that if I break down, uh, I, I don't want to have to go to a mechanic. I don't want to have to, I want to be able to get out. I want to be able to do everything and put everything back in and head down the road. To an, to an extent, that's preparedness. To an extent, that is self-sufficiency. To an extent, uh, there's nothing wrong with that. But if we apply that same uh, human mindset to a spiritual work, it becomes a problem. And bringing the nation out of, uh, of Israel, out of Egypt, was not just a mere uh, human work. It was something that God had to do. We find it was a very spiritual work. And so our trust should not be placed in our own self-sufficiency and our own abilities. The Bible again says in 2 Chronicles chapter 32 and verse number 8, With him is an arm of flesh, but with us is the Lord our God to help us and to fight our battles. And the people rested themselves of Hezekiah, king of Judah. And so listen, we need to understand to do the work of God... We need the power of God and not our own self-sufficiency. Listen, there's lots of ways 
uh, to do things. There's lots of people who come up with this plan and that plan, and uh, you want to build your Sunday school and seven even easy steps, you do this, 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 and you'll build your Sunday school. And I'm not against having a plan, and I'm not against having uh, a method, but we, our dependency must be upon God. And it must be God's plan. We need to follow what God had ordained. And Moses here went out of his way, and, uh, and he really uh, went against the law of God. We find that he was rejected by the Egyptians as they were hunting him down. They wanted to put him in jail, per se, or maybe kill him uh, for having killed the Egyptian. I don't know what the punishment in Egypt was for murder. And then the, the Israelites, they also rejected him because of the murder that had taken place. And they were asking, hey, who made you the authority? Uh, who put you in charge of Israel? And, uh, and certainly God would not condone uh, murder that took place as, as Moses had, had committed that crime there. And so we find the self-sufficiency as God was starting to break Moses. Not only does the self-sufficiency have to be removed, but there's got to be a submission to God. There has to be a submission. Turn with me to uh, Exodus chapter number 3. And I'd love to go through the entire uh, poor book of Exodus, but, but simply we don't have time. And the life of Moses is incredible as we think about, well, he came from this, uh, this Egyptian background and from the ideas that he had been raised in Egypt, but he was a Hebrew-born uh, child. And, and so we find this odd mix, and he comes out of the world. Egypt is always a picture of the world. So he comes out of the world. But he doesn't quite figure out how to do things God's way uh, until these chapters. Look with me in Exodus chapter number 3 in verse number 1. The Bible says, Now Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law. What happened is after, uh, let me back up and recount the story here, is after Moses had uh, killed the, uh, uh, the Egyptian man and the Israelites also rejected him and he fled, as we read in verse number uh, 15, I think it was, and went to Midian. And, uh, and then, of course, he had, he had helped water the flocks of, of Jethro, and then he ended up marrying one of Jethro's uh, daughters. And so that's what's taken place. And now he's there in, in, in Midian. Chapter 3 and verse 1. Now Moses kept the flocks of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the backside of the desert and came to the mountain of God, even to Horeb. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush, and he looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire, and the bush was not consumed. And Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush is not burnt. Could you imagine uh, you're in the you're in a a desert place and uh, and there's not much there's not much greenery anyways but when you, occasionally you'll see a a cactus or some kind of a a thorny plant that would sprout up and and it's there and it's grown up and the Bible says it's on fire but it's not consumed and it's not burnt and Moses of course he sees that and he says. Well, that's a strange sight. i got to see what's going on there. And, and so he goes over, and as any normal person would do, and he's looking at this bush saying, that's, that's incredible, kind of like, what is going on? Verse number 4. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called unto him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here am I. And he said, draw not, thy, draw not nigh hither, put off thy shoes from off thy feet, for the place whereon thou standest is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am the God of thy father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt and have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrow. And I am come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land unto a good land and a, lo and a large 
a good land and a large, unto a land flowing with milk and honey, unto the place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites. Now therefore, behold, the city of the children of Israel is come unto me, and I... I have also seen the oppression wherewith the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now therefore, and I will send thee unto Pharaoh, that thou mayest bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. We have here God calling Moses and saying, Moses, listen, uh, I know you messed up back in Egypt. I know that you killed a person. I know that you hid it. I know that the Israelites have rejected you. And they said, hey, you, you're not the boss over us. And I know that you had to flee into Midian and you were running for your life. But God was calling Moses and saying, listen, I am not done with you. I'm glad that when we make mistakes in our life, God says, hey, I, I can still use you. I'm glad that God doesn't say, well, you know what? You messed up. You're all done. Let's throw you aside. Let's find something else and look for a a perfect vessel. There is no perfect vessel. We are all human. We have all sinned, the Bible would teach us. And we have all made mistakes. And we have all uh, gone astray, the Bible would say, uh, after our own ways. But I'm glad that God is a marvelous, forgiving God who will take people who are willing to submit themselves to Him and be used of God. Here we have Moses. He had murdered a man in, in Egypt, and yet God is calling him and, and asking him and saying, Listen, Moses, I want to use you. Uh, look at all the excuses that Moses gives. Look at verse number 11. We did not read that. It says, So God calls Moses, and he says, Listen, I want to use you. In verse number 11, And Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go unto Pharaoh, that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt? Now, that's a real contrast to chapter 2 uh, when Moses said, man, uh, I'm not going to allow this stuff to take place. Matter of fact, I'm going to take things into my own hand. I'm going to kill this guy, and I ain't letting this happen, and I'm going to stand up for the, the, the Hebrew children. Now, we don't know, I don't know how many years later. The Bible doesn't give us uh, the date and time, per se, uh, but some time later, uh, God is now saying, hey, Moses, you are the one to deliver the nation of Israel out of Egypt, and I want to use your life. And Moses saying, wait a minute, God, who am I? I- I'm not that guy. I'm not a, I have no ability. And listen, uh, maybe you would say, well, I have no ability to be used of God. Listen, the Bible says in in Philippians chapter 4 and verse number 13, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. And you say, well, listen, I don't have any ability. No, but you can be used of God. Moses didn't have any ability. He said that. He said, man, who am I? I don't have the ability to be able to lead this nation of Israel out of Egypt. And and I can't do this. And he didn't have the ability. But yet God said, hey, I want to use you. Look with me in Exodus chapter 3 and verse number 13 as we think about the excuses that Moses gives. And Moses said unto God, behold, When I come unto the children of Israel and say unto them, The God of your fathers has sent me unto you, and they shall say to me, What is his name? What shall I say unto them? He's saying basically, saying, listen, I don't have... Uh, I don't have the, uh, the, the message to give to them. What shall I say unto them? He's like, I'm not for sure uh, what to tell them uh, at the end of that verse there. And so, uh, listen, God has given us the message to give to the world. And we ought to be able to give the world the message. It's not our message. It's not something that we're going to come forth. Hey, but we can give them the word of God. That's what the the Bible has clearly given us a message. We have the entire Bible written out to us. And so Moses, he's giving excuses. He said, hey, I've got no ability. And he says, I've got no message. I don't know who to tell them sent me, and I don't have uh, know what to tell them. In verse number, uh, chapter 4 and verse number 1, we find another, another excuse, very similar to verse 11 that we looked at, or verse 13, rather. Uh, 4.1, the Bible says this, Exodus 4.1, And Moses answered and said, But behold, they will not believe me, nor hearken unto my voice, for they will say, The Lord hath not appeared unto thee. 
And that's kind of similar. He's saying, well, well, in verse number 13 that we looked at, uh, who shall I say that sent me in? And he's saying, listen, I've got no authority. I've got no position. I've got no uh, rank in, in Israel or Egypt. And I'm wanted in Egypt for murder. And, and the, the, the Israelites, they've already rejected me. They're like, who are you? And, and I've already tried this and it didn't work. Listen, maybe we feel like we have no authority to do stuff. Listen, God had given Moses all the authority in calling him and, and, and uh, giving him uh, the, the job that he was to do. Listen, God has given us the authority. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 28 and verse number 18, And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore into all the world and preach the gospel. Doesn't say gospel, that's Mark. Uh, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. We start back there in verse number 18. Why? Because Jesus said, all power is given unto me. You know what he's saying? I have all the authority of God because Jesus was God. And he says, I'm giving you a command that you should go into all the world and teach all the nations and, and, and give them the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. We've received that commission, not from this pulpit, not from this church building, but from God Almighty has given us the, the responsibility of taking the gospel to the lost and dying world, to every creature that we could present that. Where do we get our authority? Well, it's not, uh, though it might come from Anchor Baptist Church, it's much higher than Anchor Baptist Church. It comes from God. And God is the one that's given us the authority. And so uh, Moses was saying, well, I don't have any authority. Uh, I don't have any message. I don't have any ability. Moses is giving all these excuses. Look with me in verse number 10 of Exodus chapter number 4. He says this in his excuses. He says and in verse number 10, And Moses said unto the Lord, O my Lord, I am not eloquent, neither heretofore nor since thou hast spoken unto thy servant, but I am slow of speech and of a slow tongue. And he's saying, God, I don't have the ability. Could you imagine? We started this in, in chapter 3 in verse number 11 when God and Moses start dialoguing. Of course, he sees the bush there and he turns aside to see it. And in verse 11, God starts speaking to him. And all through verse, uh, verse 11, all the way down through chapter 4, uh, God and Moses are going back and forth. And God's saying, listen, here's the job I want you to do. And Moses is saying, well, listen, I can't do it because I don't have any ability. Who am I? And then he says, well, I don't have a, uh, the, the message to give to him. What am I supposed to say and and then he says well I don't have the authority they're not going to believe me and look at me I I'm just a fella that was raised in Egypt and I'm a Hebrew and I'm a mess I can't be used of God and besides that I've killed a guy and uh, and he goes on and he says God I'm not eloquent I don't have no ability to be able to speak and maybe even stuttered I don't know what Moses did uh, listen he gave God all these excuses and God's saying listen You are the person. I have chosen you. And I want to use you. And maybe in our life, we're really good at giving excuses. We're really good at saying, well, I would, but I'm not good at that. Well, I would, but, man, I get nervous when I go to witness to somebody. I would give out gospel tracts, but... Man, I get scared to death that they're going to get mad at me and cuss me out. Or I, I would, but, and we give all these excuses as Moses is giving excuses. And, and listen, Moses had to come to a point where he submitted to God in his life. And he gives out all these excuses. Look with me in one last excuse in chapter 4 and verse number 13. This is kind of interesting. In verse number 13, he says this, and he said, O my Lord, send, I pray thee, by the hand of him thou wilt send. In other words, 
He's saying, hey, can't you send somebody else? Look at verse number 14. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses. And he said, is not Aaron the Levite thy brother? I know that he can speak well. And also, behold, he cometh forth to meet thee. And when he seeth thee, he will be glad in his heart. And Moses is given all these excuses. I have no ability. I have no message. I have no authority. I have no eloquence. I have no desire. I just don't want to go. Can't you send anybody else besides me? And here comes along Aaron, his brother, and, and God kind of gets frustrated with uh, Moses, or angered at least, and, and, and says, all right, I'm going to send uh, Aaron with you, and he can be your mouthpiece. And Moses finally submits to God's plan. Listen, not only is self-sufficiency must be broken, but submission to God's will has got to be uh, a priority if we're going to be used of God. You cannot be used of God in any capacity, if you don't submit to the will of God in your life. And Moses has given all kinds of excuses, and he's created all kinds of reasons and all kinds of things to say, well, I can't, and this is why. And boy, we do the same thing with God many times. If God wants us to do something, uh, we'll say, well, I, I don't know about that, and I, I don't think I'm, a, I'm the right guy, and I'm sure there's better speakers, and I'm sure there's smarter people out there than me, and I'm sure there's better uh, Sunday school teachers or better uh, choir singers or better uh, this or that, and we'll give all the other excuses why we can't do something for God. And God's all the while saying, look, I want, I've, I've asked you. You're the person that I've asked, and I want you to do something for me. And Moses had to finally submit, and we find that in chapter uh, 4 that this is finally, uh, that Moses did submit. Listen, this is not the part of life that, that, that we think about for Moses. You think about, this was kind of a dry period. I mean, he was been on the backside of the desert uh, living in, in Midian and, and, uh, and, and taking care of his father-in-law's flocks and he was wanted for murder in Egypt. And, and this is the guy that God had called to take the nation of Israel out of bondage. After we see the uh, self-sufficiency removed out of his life and him submitting to God. Look with me in Exodus chapter 4 and verse number 18. We see the start of his service. And Moses went and returned to Jethro, his father-in-law, and said unto him, Let me go, I pray thee, and return unto my brethren which are in Egypt, and see whether they be yet alive. And Jethro said to Moses, Go in peace. And the Lord said unto Moses in Midian, Go, return into Egypt, for all the men are dead which sought thy life. And Moses took his wife and his sons and set them upon an ass, and he returned to the land of Egypt. And Moses took the rod of God in his hand. We find that Moses uh, had submitted to God's will. And listen, he was finally on the path to service. He was finally on his, the place where, where he would be used of God. Listen, service to God must be rendered in step with God. And God had said, all right, Moses, now's the time. Uh, we've been spending all this time in preparation to get you ready so that you could go. And, and now is the time. And Moses is now heading back to uh, Israel, or to Egypt, rather, where the Israelites are, so that he can be in service to God. God had cleaned up the mess that Moses made. Isn't it amazing how good God is at fixing our mistakes? I'm glad that God is, because I tell you what, we make mistakes in this life. And I'm glad that God is able to uh, turn those around, not as an excuse that we can make mistakes, but I'm glad that He does stuff so that we can be used of Him. Look with me there in verse uh, chapter number 7. Fast forward a couple chapters as he goes back in chapter number 7 and verse 4. This is when Moses starts to approach uh, Pharaoh and, and he talks to him several times, of course, uh, through, now through chapter uh, 12 and before they get pulled out of, of Egypt. And look at what it says there in Exodus chapter 7 and verse number 4. But Pharaoh shall not hearken unto you, that I may lay my hand upon Egypt, 
and bring forth mine armies and my people, the children of Israel, out of the land of Egypt by great judgments. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord. When I stretch forth mine hand upon Egypt and bring out the children of Israel from among them. And Moses and Aaron did as the Lord commanded them, so did they. Look at verse number 7 with me. And Moses was fourscore years old, and Aaron fourscore and three years old, when they spake unto Pharaoh. Now a score is 20 years, so fourscore is 80 years old. We have Moses starting in the ministry when he's 80 years old. You could rack that up with another excuse. Why don't you do something for God while I'm too old? I can't. We have Moses starting when he was 80 years old. This is after God has already put the... We're not talking about people who lived 900 years, so you can scratch that. Uh, these aren't people who live for, uh, for 800 or 600 years. God has already instituted, listen, the 120 years is the maximum years of man. And so that has already been instituted. And here Moses is starting at 80 years old in his life, in his ministry. Could you imagine... I, I couldn't, to be honest with you. But here he is, and he's starting out, and he's getting ready to go before Moses, and he's 80 years old. And listen, uh, God clearly told Moses, uh, listen, they're not going to listen to you. They're not going to do what you say, uh, but I want you to be faithful. And we find that Moses was constantly following God. If he had not, not learned way back in chapter 4 uh, to be obedient and submissive to God, if he had not learned in chapter 3 to, uh, to not depend upon himself, and in chapter 4 to be submissive to God, then he probably never would have made it to chapter number 7. And we find that, listen, if we want to be used of God and if we want our service to God to be rendered effective, then we must be submitted to God before we can ever do service. The Bible says in John 15, 4, Abide in me, this is Jesus talking, and he says, Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing. What would have Moses accomplished if he in his own self-sufficiency would have marched to Pharaoh and said, hey, you let the Israelites go. Without God, without God's hand, without God sending him, without, without following and being submitted to God, if he would have marched in there, how far do you think he would have gone? I don't think he would have accomplished much. He would have had good motives. He would have tried to accomplish the will of God. God wanted the nation of Israel. God saw the affliction of the nation of Israel. But him doing it in his own strength and his own power would not have come out the same as what's recorded in the Word of God. Why did it come out the way it was? Because Moses was uh, surrendered and submitted to God and he served God. Look with me in Exodus chapter 7 and verse number 17. Look at this. The Bible says, Thus saith the Lord, In this thou shalt know that I am the Lord. Behold, I will smite with the rod, uh, or I will smite with the rod that is in mine hand upon the waters which are in the river, and they shall be turned to blood. Now let me ask you something. Do you think Moses, in his own power, took that rod and smote the rivers and they turned blood because... Because Moses was Moses? No. That's not even possible. It was God that worked through Moses. It was God that, that changed that river to blood. Look with me in Exodus chapter 8 and verse number 5. We have the next plague. And the Lord spake unto Moses, say unto Aaron, Stretch forth thine hand with thy rod over the streams, 
over the rivers and over the ponds and cause frogs to come up upon the land of Egypt. Moses didn't cause those frogs to come out of those bodies of water. It was God that caused those, those frogs to come out of those bodies of water. You can go down through all of the plagues. And, and in Exodus 8, 16, uh, the lice didn't come forth because Moses was a powerful man that had power over the lice. No, Moses was a servant of God and God has power over the lice and God caused the lice to come out of the dirt of the ground and to, to, to take over all of Egypt. And by the way, God made a division so that the Egyptians suffered, but the Israelites did not. That's God. Moses could not have done that. There's no way that Moses had that ability. Uh, Moses didn't cause the flies in Exodus chapter 8 and verse number 20 to come out and, and to overtake Egypt. Uh, Moses didn't cause the moraine that caused the sickness of all the cattle in, in Exodus chapter 9 and verse number 3. Moses didn't cause the boils on the people of the Egypt, Egyptians uh, in Exodus chapter 9 and verse 8 and 9. Moses didn't cause the hail that uh, destroyed a lot of the crops in Exodus chapter chapter 9 and verse 23, and Moses didn't send the locusts in Exodus chapter 10 and verses 12 and 13. It was God who did all of that. When Moses was serving God, when Moses had realized, I'm not self-sufficient, in his own power he made a mess, but when he submitted himself to God, God used him in a mighty way in service to God so that God's will would be accomplished. Listen, the whole time, this took time. For all of this to take place. All those ten plagues, it was not immediate. I'm sure Moses, during that journey, was frustrated saying, man, uh, Moses didn't have, well, there's going to be ten plagues and these are what they're going to be and, and then you'll know when you're close to the end. Moses was step by step just following God and saying, okay, God, what's the next step? And God said, hey, I want you to go back to... Pharaoh, and I want you to tell him again to let your people go. And you know what? He's going to say, I'm not going to do it. And here's what you're going to do. You're going to hold your rod out, and you're going to do this, and you're going to do that. And God caused every single plague to come onto Egypt. It was not Moses. And why do we think that we can do some great thing if we're an instrument, we're merely an instrument? It's not us. It's not your ability, it's not my ability, it's not our intelligence, it's not our strength, it's not our uh, preparation uh, that has brought us, it is our submissiveness to God. And God says, hey, I'm going to use you to serve me in this capacity. Not everyone gets to be used like Moses was used, but what a tremendous example in the life of Moses, that he was used. He didn't cause the darkness, and he didn't cause the death of the firstborn. Moses was just a servant who was surrendered and submitted to the hand of God. We see him broken in these chapters where he realized, you know what, I in and of myself am insufficient. But with God, you see, you see Moses coupled with God, and you see a powerful combination of a person who simply says, God, I want to be used of you. I might not have any ability. I might not have any uh, eloquent speaking skills. I might not have this or I might not have that. But God, I have a willingness to be used of you. And because of Moses' submissiveness to God, he was used tremendously of God. What a wonderful example. We can see in Moses' life where he was, he started out, man, I'm going to do this. I'm going to get it done. In the end, we see, no, no, God's going to do it through you. And you just do what God wants you to do. And you just follow God in your life. That's what Moses did. And he went back and God used him. We know the story. You know all the plagues that took place. We could go back and look at them, and it's good to go back and look at them. Uh, but, but you know the end of the story. Uh, they got all the way out and before the Red Sea. And you know why, God, why Moses could handle all that pressure? Because, listen, he had walked with God all that time. And he had submitted himself to what God wanted him to do. And he served God with his life. How about us in 2020? 2021, 2020 is in the books. 2021, 
Are we submitting to God? And are we willing to do whatever God would have us to do in 2021 and in the future? And oh, it's not easy, no. I'm sure it wasn't easy for Moses. Every time he had to walk back in there, I'm sure he was scratching his head saying, I wonder if Pharaoh's going to kill me today. He's probably sick of me. I wonder, when, uh, I wonder if he's going to find out about the past. And every time he just said, you know what, I'm going to do what God wants me to do. And he just kept doing what God wanted him to do. That's what we've got to do in our life. It's just keep following God and obeying God. And let, let the rest fall on God's shoulders. As long as we're doing what we're supposed to be doing, then God will take care of the rest. With every head bowed and every eye closed as we stand to our feet, Father, we thank you for the example of Moses. What a, what a great example, God. God, he came from certainly a difficult circumstance, being raised in Egypt, knowing he was Hebrew, an Israelite. God, I pray that you would help us to not be self-sufficient in the ministry, but help us to be spiritual, submitted to you, and to serve you with our life. God, certainly not everyone is called to be a, a pastor or a preacher, but God, you want to use everyone in some capacity or another. Help us, Father, to be surrendered to you to be used of you, to be a witness, to be a testimony to others, maybe to teach a Sunday school class, maybe to sing specials, maybe to do something, Father, for your honor, for your glory. May we be submitted to you, and we'll thank you for that. In Jesus' precious name, I pray. Amen. We'll just have a short hymn of invitation. Are you submitted? Are you surrendered to God? Are you serving God? We all have an area of some form that we can serve in. We'll bring our invitation to a close, and we got just a couple minutes here before our next service, so... Uh, you got a little bit of time to smile and tell each other good morning and happy new year this morning.
Cześć. Cześć. Cześć.